The Gut Pharmacist Podcast with Riley Ramosco, traditional naturopath and holistic nutritionist. On this episode, we're going to have Madison, certified integrative health practitioner, board certified holistic health practitioner, craniosacral fascial therapist, and master blood chem with EM certification. Madison believes God designed our bodies to heal. She specializes in working with mamas and kiddos with mold toxicity, MCAS, Lyme, and autism. Most of the clients she sees experience chronic issues like GI upset, eczema, food sensitivity, sleep disturbances, and a lot more. Madison actually navigated her own daughter's health issues and also her own chronic illness and found healing. Because of what she went through, she loves to partner with moms and kids to navigate their symptoms, get to the root causes, and realign the body. While Madison's root cause work is her passion and primary business, she is also a bodywork practitioner trained in a form of myofascial release known as craniosacral fascial therapy or the Gillespie approach. I am so excited to have Madison on today to talk about all things chronic illness for adults and kids, so let's bring Madison in. Welcome to the Gut Pharmacist Podcast. Today we have Madison, an integrative health practitioner who is one of the most educated in the field when it comes to moms and children's health. Uh, The focus today is chronic illness recovery in children and adults, and Madison knows all about it. So thank you so much for being on my show, Madison. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. So give us a quick intro background, your little health journey, and then why you got into this field. Yeah. So I, when I look back on my life, I've been sick since I literally was born. Um, I had issues as a baby and they just kept building and progressing and escalating. Um, And then I got pregnant. And I was diagnosed with hyperemesis gravidarum, which is severe nausea and vomiting during pregnancy. And that was pretty much the catalyst to me figuring out what the heck was going on. Um, I was miserable. I was throwing up eight to 15 times a day. And I was told that this was completely normal and that there was nothing that they could do, um, but they could try to minimize the vomiting. And so fast forward to, I had my baby And before this, I was an English teacher. So I taught high school English for six years. um, And I was sick with HD during that time. And I had my baby and she was sick too. Um, They told me that all of my symptoms would go away after I had her. And they didn't. Um, I was just still so sick. The nausea, the vomiting continued. I was so fatigued. And really my chronic illness symptoms that started as a baby really reached a pinnacle um, postpartum. I was just so depleted. And then of course, I'm searching for answers with my daughter who's dealing with silent reflux. She's um, not diagnosed with colic, but just a very unhappy baby, would not sleep, had to be held constantly. You could just tell she was in pain. And so I am searching for answers everywhere, trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And um, that's really what led me to this path. And then we started, you know, looking to our environment and we found mold in our home. I ended up starting to just work with my daughter and work with myself. And we ended up 
finding healing just with the things that I was doing. And um, that sent me back to school to get certified. And I got certified through the Integrative Health Practitioner Institute. And then I did a couple other certifications and specializations along the way. Um, one of my favorites is uh, craniosacral fascial therapy. So I'm a, I'm a bodywork practitioner as well. And that's pretty much how I got here. Like lifelong, got sick, reached its pinnacle, and then here we are. I love that. That's kind of like my journey without the children. I don't have any, but I've been <laughs> sick since I was a baby and a teenager, and I just sought out my own answers. And then here yeah. I am today. So thanks for sharing that. That's a lot. That's a lot to deal with. So yeah. getting into our first question, talking about you being chronically ill. So what would you say the most common root causes of chronic illness are for both children and adults? Yeah, if I had to say like one thing in terms of, you know, an umbrella term, it would be a high toxic burden. So just the, the burden that is on the body. And so when we think about what and what's included in that toxic burden, we're looking at parasites, we're looking at heavy metals, we're looking at environmental toxins like mold, but not even just living in mold. We're, we're exposed to so many chemicals, so many pesticides, so many different types of BPA and BPS, um, and all of that can accumulate within our system. Um, also Lyme. Lyme is a huge one in my practice. Uh, most of my clients, in fact, are dealing with mold illness, mast cell activation, or Lyme. And so when I'm looking at these clients, it's really just an overloaded body um, things that have been passed even in utero from their mother and uh, even grandmothers, like, you know, our eggs are in our mom basically. And so everything is, um, the stage is set generations back and those deficiencies can get passed down and those toxicities can get passed down. Trauma is another, uh, root cause that I see a lot, especially in kiddos like birth trauma, um, even just what it does to our body and um, what it does to strain our fascia. And um, then seeing all of that combined is typically the root cause, if you will. Like it's the combination of all of these things that have accumulated throughout our lives. Right. When the bucket finally overflows, yep. that's usually yep. when someone gets ill and they think, oh, I'm suddenly ill when really, no, it was a gradual process that was happening exactly already. Right. <laughs> yes. There so, was something that tipped, it was the tip of the iceberg. There was a lot underneath that, that we haven't seen. So yeah, exactly. you're exactly right. Yeah. And then what impact would you say, because we talk about EMF a lot in this kind mm -hmm. of realm and people aren't really I mean, they're getting more informed, but what impact does EMF have on chronic illness? What are we seeing? So I, I love that you're asking about this because a lot of people will write it off because it's invisible. And um, we typically don't seem to care or are as mindful of invisible threats as we are visible threats. Um, the intangible is just that it's intangible. And so if it's not constantly, you know, present, we're not going to be thinking about it, even though we are inundated with these frequencies, with these radio frequencies, um, with low, low frequency EMFs. I mean, they're just everywhere. And so they're a huge factor that I see in my practice, especially with kids. I use um, the primary method of testing that I use in my practice is bioresonance and it will pick up on EMF sensitivity. And I think there's only been one or two kids out of the hundreds that I've worked with that have not resonated as sensitive to EMF. So it plays a, a really large role and I see it 
frequently um, come up as an issue. But one of the reasons why it plays such a large role is because what it does, it creates oxidative stress on our body. And so basically, we have these free radicals that are scavenging in our body and they're causing immune dysregulation. They're causing oxidative stress and it's decreasing our body's ability to handle these pathogens. When you look at the research on EMF, it's really, um, it's really quite concerning. There, there was a study not too many years ago that showed that um, low frequency EMFs can actually activate dormant Epstein-Barr virus. And so if you look at the number of people in the United States that are suffering from EBV, it definitely seems to correlate with a rise in EMFs. Dr. Klinghart piloted a study and he was looking at mold in the presence of radio frequencies from cell towers. And in the presence of those frequencies, the mold produced mycotoxins, which are the toxic metabolites that truly make people just so sick. It produced the mycotoxins 600 times more in the mm -hmm. presence of those radio frequencies. And so these are basically potentiating and just exacerbating so much of chronic illness. And it's a huge contributing factor. It um, affects our brain's ability to detox and our body's ability to detox. It increases that oxidative stress. And so um, we need things to scavenge those free radicals because they're basically going crazy in our bodies. The other thing that I found interesting is there have been a few studies that show that metal fillings in the presence of EMF. So like when you're wearing, you know, um, AirPods or something like that, it can actually release mercury from the mouth into the body. And wow. so when you get those metals and that EMF, I mean, you're basically like a walking magnet and that's going to cause symptoms. A lot of times with kids, I see EMF cause major issues with their attention, their ability to focus and their ability to sleep. A lot of these kids cannot sleep in the presence of these frequencies. And so one of the things that's a non-negotiable with me and my clients, especially with young kids, babies, toddlers, et cetera, unplug the Wi-Fi, have it off, um, be really aware of what's against your bed um, and what type of bed material do you have? Because iron frames can actually really increase those frequencies and make us more susceptible to it. And so even, you know, the wall outlets, are there any wall outlets by the bed? Are there refrigerators? Is the child's room above a refrigerator? That is a significant amount of frequencies that can really disturb the body. And sleep is so healing. We really need that. And so when we're constantly inundated with these frequencies, the body gets stressed, the body senses a threat. And so I see it often, especially with kids, because their brains are still developing. Um, and so they're much more susceptible. These uh, frequencies can can penetrate babies' brains and children's brains much more than they can adults' brains. Right. That is incredible how much you just shared. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know I've heard of EMFs contributing to increasing mycotoxins. I've heard of yes. that. But the other things, that is so interesting. We're just not aware of the types no. of things that electromagnetic frequencies are doing to us and they're getting worse, right? We just had something new released so and we don't even know. But anyway, so there's a huge connection there with chronic illness. Now, we see mold, parasites, heavy metals, they usually come together in this package. Why is that? 
So it's kind of like a vicious cycle. Whenever the body is exposed to mold, it is going to make our immune system much more susceptible to pathogens like parasites. So when the immune system is downregulated, we're going to be more susceptible. Our body's not going to be able to handle these exposures. And the thing is, we're exposed to parasites everywhere. I mean, I walk around barefoot all the time to ground, and that's that's an exposure to some parasites. That doesn't mean don't walk around barefooted. It's just the fact of the matter. Um, when we have heavy metals in our body, again, that downregulates the immune system. And these the mold, the metals, these are food for parasites. And so they're going to be naturally attracted to an environment that is going to make an excellent host for them. That's going to allow them to feed. And so these parasites will eat the mold, they'll eat the heavy metals and they will stay in that environment. And so when the body gets run down with these toxins, we're more susceptible to the parasites. And then of course, we're gonna, they're gonna stay in the body. They're not gonna leave if they have a host that is providing an excellent food source for them. And, and that's the thing with parasites too, is they're protective, right? Like they're designed to eat these heavy metals. They're designed to do that. But when our body gets so overrun with these toxins, we can't clear out the parasites. They're staying there um, because our body is so hospitable to them. And then of course, these parasites, not only they're attracted to it, but they harbor this stuff. So they actually become a Trojan horse of toxins in the body. And so they themselves become a problem, especially when the body becomes overburdened with them. And there's a large parasitic infection because they're, they're meant to go in, eat, clean house and leave. But the problem is if they can set up camp, they're not gonna leave. They're gonna stay in an environment that is keeping them well-fed. And it's the same thing with you know any type of animal or parasite, they're gonna stay where there's a food source, where there's energy and they can feast on that. You explained that so well. They're supposed oh, to be you. temporary. Yeah, yes. they're, they're not supposed to be there permanently like they are in most people with chronic right. illness. Especially and, with chronic illness, yeah. Right, and I always say it's about the individual terrain. You're not gonna avoid parasites or mold or nope. metals. There's no way, but it's about how you take care of your body, how you lower your toxic burden. So thank you. You explained that perfectly. So we're going to change the subject a little bit, talking about infant reflux. I talk about adult reflux all the time. So some causes I usually talk about are things like microbial imbalances, pressure imbalances, pH. So what about in infants and babies? How does reflux happen? Yeah. So honestly, all of those things are still a factor. Um, when we're looking at the infant, we need to be looking at what, what is the infant designed to do? And the basic reflux, the basic reflexes that they're born with are breathe, suck, swallow. Like that is what they're designed to do. And so we need to look at that reflex, that design. And a lot of times we'll see that the suck and swallow and breathe pattern is something's wrong with it. Something is inhibiting it. It's not able to be um, it's not able to, they're not able to do what they're designed to do. And so when we're looking at what inhibits that pattern, especially because they're, they're feeding either at the breast or a bottle. And so we need to look at the mouth. A lot of times is my starting point with infants. What is in the, the, the oral cavity? Are there tethered oral ties? Um, there's different types of ties, like a lip tie, a tongue tie, buckle ties, which are in the cheek. And if that is really restricted, the, the body is not going to be able to do what it needs to do. The tongue needs to have free range of motion to be able to suck. And so if the jaw is recessed and pulled back by a tongue tie, 
the baby's latch, whether on the breast or a bottle, is not going to be ideal. And so if we're if they're going to be swallowing air, if they're not going to be able to pull the milk the way that they should, that's going to cause a lot of intestinal issues. Um, there is meant to be a very tight seal and suction pattern that these infants have um, to keep that air out. And when that air gets in the tummy, it's going to cause a lot of gas. It's going to cause silent reflux silent reflux. It's going to cause projectile vomiting, etc. However, there are a lot of babies without tethered oral ties that still have reflux. And so that's when we're looking at, we're going to look at the gut. What is there? What is missing? Is it nutrients? Because a lot of times these babies are born very low in zinc. And for the first six months, there's something that's called the open gut theory, which means that babies have a leaky gut and that we need to be very careful with what is going um, into their gut. And it really just needs to be breast milk or formula, something that they're designed to have. And when there is a lack of zinc, those gut junctures are going to be permeable. Um, we're going to see an increase in reflux and spitting up and colic and digestive issues because we don't have one of the crucial nutrients for our digestive systems. Um, a lot of times, the biggest thing that I see, especially with my clients, is an environmental exposure that is causing a very imbalanced gut microbiome. So we're talking about, you know, being born and conceived in mold. There's an environmental exposure that baby is experiencing. Um, even it doesn't even have to be a current exposure. It can be mom um, who maybe had a previous mold exposure, but mom is colonized. And so baby comes out colonized because what mom has, and there are a lot of GI imbalances as a result of those microbes in the gut. Uh, There's actually a study done about five or six years ago of an infant. I want to say the infant was two months old, if I remember correctly, and um, projectile vomiting projectile vomiting. And then they noticed in the infant's stool, he started passing quite large parasites. Um, and after he was passing these things, his reflux subsided. And so parasites are a large contributor to it as well. The other thing that I see as a, a body worker, and this doesn't just come back to the mouth, but looking at the birth, how was mom's birth? Because Birth is very intense for both mom and baby. There is a lot that is going on and baby does a lot of work in the womb. Baby actually partners with mom and with the contractions and will actually push out of the womb to help move. And so baby is doing a lot of intense exercise to get out and that's going to strain our fascia. And whenever there's systemic fascial strain, especially anything that's running from the mouth down to the stomach and even the pelvis, when I'm working on, um, kids, I find a lot of pelvic strain. And when we release that up, it's really crazy what moms will say, oh, he's, his constipation has completely, you know, dissipated. Oh, he's not spitting up anymore. He doesn't have gas and all of these things. And so fascial strain going back to what was experienced in utero and even during the birth process contributes a lot because it tightens that baby up. Um, and when they're tight like that, we're not going to be able to breathe, suck, swallow like we're meant to. And so freeing up that fascial strain. And that's the thing with fascia is 
it encompasses every cell in our body. It encompasses our organs. It encompasses our bones. And so I love chiropractic care, but the difference with fascial work is we're working the entire body system, not just the spine, um, but the entire body. And so you can really get in there and free up a lot of that tension and strain that babies are born with. And it also helps with the oral ties. If the oral ties are a contributor to infant reflux, the releasing up the fascia, unwinding them is really going to help fix the latch, fix the breastfeeding issues, fix the bottle feeding issues, et cetera, and really can clear up reflux. I mean, I've seen kiddos, you know, get work done and within anywhere from three to six sessions of body work, their reflux is gone. Uh, so it's really, really incredible. Wow. And do you see that with adults as well, or it's usually more internal with adults? Um, I definitely would say that it's more internal. That being said, um, it with adults, everything is so much more accumulated. So whereas an infant may only have six months of fascial accumulation and just has accumulated, you know, what's been passed down from mom and dad and in the environment, you know, adults have 30, 40 plus years of strain that they're working with. And so if there is strain in the abdominal cavity, even in the neck, even in the pelvis area, um, freeing that up can absolutely help. There are many adult testimonials um, saying that, you know, their, their constipation improved, their digestion, their heartburn went away. Asthma is one that CFT can help with tremendously. And so it really just depends on what's the bigger contributor. Is it the fascial strain or is it the microbes in the gut? Is it an mm -hmm. environmental exposure? Is it the toxic load? And so figuring out what is the bigger contributor is the better way to address that. I, I, am a believer in body work for everyone. Like I think we all need it, right. um, but especially, especially babies and kids with adults, it can take a little bit longer because you're unwinding so many different strain patterns, years of strain patterns. I can imagine. And you yeah. mentioned the gut is a huge part of pretty much any illness. So yeah. let's talk about the gut brain connection. I want to talk about autism really quick, because I know it's yeah. a touchy subject. So you mentioned <laughs> some contributors, I'm sure some of them are similar with autism, but what are some major contributors you see with autism? Yeah, so um, I want to say probably nine out of the 10 kids that I so just ballpark estimate, nine out of 10 kids. Uh, I would say moms had metals in the mouth, metal fillings in the mouth when um, they were pregnant with baby and that gets passed. So I see a lot of mercury in these kids. I see a lot of titanium in these kids. Um, I see a lot of aluminum in these kids. It is metals are very present and the kids with autism that I work with. So metal fillings, if mom had metal fillings, especially while pregnant with baby, that is a huge contributor. I see it so frequently. One of the things that I have yet to see a kid without in my practice in autism is mold. Whether it's a current environmental exposure or colonized in the gut, every single one of these kids that I have worked with personally has tested positive. Their body has tested positive for mold. And most of the time it is colonized in the gut. Um, there's even candida, candida signatures in the brain. Um, a lot of bacteria is another thing that I see with these kiddos. And I'm talking about systemic bacteria. We're looking and both gram positive and gram negative bacteria. So 
this bacteria can be in the brain. This bacteria a lot of times is in the um, oral microbiome and the sinus microbiome. And of course the gut, the gut always gets a lot of attention in autism and rightly so because a, a lot of their gut is, is just destroyed and working on that can be so helpful to reduce symptoms and um, really get them to absorb nutrients. Because another thing that I see with autism is massive issues with the body's ability to methylate. And so a lot of these kiddos are born with genetic SNPs that are already expressing and they have a hard time breaking down um, and absorbing their nutrients because there's so there's there's excess histamine, there's excess homocysteine, and the body is just not able to break it down. Another thing that I see a lot with these kids, it's not exactly a root cause, but um, addressing the pathogens that are in the body addresses this, but ammonia. Ammonia toxicity is huge. Um, ammonia will affect the brain, and it is just crazy what havoc it will wreak on the body. These kids won't sleep. Um, it can affect their ability to speak. Um, a lot of them will have delayed speech as a result of this ammonia toxicity and this ammonia buildup. And so this goes back to the gut and the liver. Um, when the liver is not able to break down this ammonia, it goes through what's called the urea cycle. And uh, when we our urea cycle is not working, it's gonna build up, it's gonna pass through the gut, it's gonna go to the bloodstream, it's gonna go to the brain. And so really addressing um, the body's ability to break down this ammonia can provide a lot of symptom relief. And the other thing that I see with autism a lot, and this goes back to methylation, um, but I've yet to see a kid without a tongue tie and a pretty significant tongue tie. And a tongue tie is a presentation of a methylation issue. And so a lot of times doing, you know, myofunctional therapy, craniosacral fascial therapy, releasing up that fascial tension can really make such a huge difference. And then of course, supporting the body's ability to methylate. What is there that's blocking the body's ability to methylate? And what is the body missing that it needs to methylate? What nutrients does it need? And a lot of times this is B vitamins. Um, B vitamins are very, very low in kiddos with autism. Um, and you can't normally start there because sometimes adding in those B vitamins, it just turns on too much in the body. And so working up and even making sure that it, you know, they're absorbing it because a lot of these kids with their guts, they're just, they're not absorbing it. And so um, it's, it, yeah, it's a lot there. The other thing that I was going to say that I see with these kids is really impaired lymphatic and glymphatic drainage. Their body is just so full of toxins um, that they just can't drain. So everything is just recirculating and really working on the body's ability to drain these toxins can make such a huge difference. And then of course I see the, in every kiddo, just like I said, I, I found mold in the body in every kiddo with autism I've worked with. Um, but a lot of these kiddos are also having major mast cell issues. And so stabilization of that and along, and you know, excess histamine can actually potentiate ammonia in the body. And so working on mast cell stabilization can decrease that ammonia and really just decrease the inflammation that's in the brain and these kiddos. And so those are, like I said, there's a lot. I also see plastic. I also see glyphosate. I also see um, just different types of environmental chemicals that, that these kiddos are exposed to. 
And it's with autism, it's just a really, really full bucket. I mean, everything is basically overflowing. Yeah, one of the most full, probably. I mean, we can only imagine why they have these sensory issues, of course. (laughs) There's just too much action going on in general. Well, thanks for sharing all of that. That's very helpful. I know some moms with autistic children, so this will be very helpful for them. And you've mentioned some of your favorite tools like body work, craniosacral. What are some of your other favorite tools that you recommend to chronic illness sufferers, whether adults or children? Yeah. So I was thinking about this and I wanted to offer something that's free because I I know so many people, I mean, the holistic healing space, it's not inexpensive. Um, It's just not inexpensive at all, but some of the best things that we can do for our body and even just to support our mitochondria, which is crucial when healing from chronic illness um, is to get outside and get sunshine, you know, balancing our circadian rhythm by watching the sun rise, getting that early morning sunlight and going outside, um, being outside more than we are inside, watching the sunset, getting that red light is such an amazing free tool that we can use. Same thing with grounding. Grounding will increase inflammation in the body. Grounding is an excellent way to support the body with all of these frequency exposures that we have from radio frequencies and EMFs, et cetera. So um, some of the, the best things that we can do and tools that we have are free. Um, one of the things that I think is often overlooked, especially with, with kids, and this goes back to you know the suck, swallow, breathe um, pattern, but a lot of us aren't even breathing correctly. Our breath is so shallow and getting us back to a place where we're breathing properly um, and just deep breathing. We're expanding our lungs is one of the best things that we can do for our body. It's going to, it's going to stimulate our vagus nerve. It's going to calm our central nervous system down and it's going to get us into a parasympathetic state that rest and digest state. Um, It's, it's even going to help us move when the, when the diaphragm is fully expanding and we're breathing properly, that's going to help move our lymphatic system. That's going to drain toxins. Um, so breathing is one of those things that I think is overlooked. My favorite type of breathing is butechio breathing. It, uh, if you study it, it's an, it's incredible, but they have reversed asthma with this type of breathing. It is very, very incredible. Just the results that people have with it. A lot of people will try it in the midst of a panic attack and it can stop a panic attack um, almost immediately. And so butechio breathing is one of my absolute favorite tools that I love. Um, Older kiddos can do it. It's going to be hard to get toddlers to do it. But um, a lot of times, you know, kiddos follow what moms are doing. If mom is, you know, going outside and grounding, the kiddo might come out and ground. If mom is doing butechio breathing, the kid will join into it. So a lot of times we can model these tools and use them um, with our kids in terms of you know, tools that you can pay for. One of the, one of the things that I really love is castor oil packs. They're really safe for little kids. You can actually do them with babies to support the liver, just obviously a shorter amount of time, depending on the age of the baby, but it's a really great way to support baby's gut, baby's liver to um, help with constipation and with kiddos. It's such a great support because our liver is such an important organ to help our body detox and address all of these exposures that we are constantly exposed to um, to great gut support. They are a non-negotiable for me with my clients, especially with my kids with autism. Sometimes it's, it's a little bit of work to get them to, you know, get it on their belly. They don't like that sensory input. And so 
figuring that out, working on the sensory processing um, can help. But castor oil packs are huge. I love it for adults too. It's a great way to move the lymphatic system. Um, one of the ones that I, I love, because so many of us are just exposed to different environmental toxins, whether we're living in mold, um, things like that, is bee propolis diffusers. And they're just so overlooked. Everyone talks about air purifiers. And do not get me wrong, I love air purifiers so much. This is air purification is just our indoor air quality is often more polluted and toxic than our outdoor air quality. And so getting the indoor air quality, especially when you have babies, especially when you have toddlers, especially when you have kids that are dealing with autism and pans and pandas, fixing that indoor air quality is just going to be game changer for their bodies. Um, breathing that clean air. And I love bee propolis diffusers because what it does is it disperses the bee propolis into the air, it heats it up. And then the bee propolis is negatively charged and it goes and gets these positively charged um, particles like mold, bacteria, viruses, and it actually grabs them and drops them to the floor so you're not inhaling them. And so it's a completely different mechanism than air purification where you're purifying the air and putting out new air, it actually nullifies the toxins and the chemicals and the viruses and the bacteria in the air so that we're not even breathing it. It's not even recycling it. It's just completely neutralizing them. Um, so that's honestly one of my tools that I love. I love to have it in the sleep space at night because it can just be such a game changer for kids um, with their sleep, just breathing that clean air just to allow the body to detox because sleep is so crucial for that. And then like you mentioned, of course, body work, like any type of body work, I'm a huge fan of, I think it's a great tool and minerals. Um, my favorite minerals for just about anyone that um, is alive is Quinton minerals. And it's really safe for kids starting at low and slow dosage, but giving those the body the minerals that it needs. And Quinton is the almost the same makeup as our blood plasma. So it's literally giving our body the minerals that it needs at a cellular level, at a blood level. And that can be so powerful to support detox, to remineralize the body, to support methylation, et cetera. So those are some of my, my favorite tools that are pretty much non-negotiable for me with a lot of my clients. Awesome. So many great tools out there and there's so many more. There's just too many that we can use. Yeah. <laughs> so, Honestly, I, can more. <laughs> I know. So Madison, do you work currently online? How can people find you? Yeah. So all of my practice is virtual. Um, I do have a wait list right now, so um, I'm not taking on clients, but if people want to reach me, they can go to my Instagram. It's at Madison underscore Yunt, Y-O-U-N-T. And um, everything is linked in my bio. My website is linked in my bio. My website is um, www.livingwaterwellness.net. And so they can access my website as well. Those are probably the best ways to connect with me, Instagram or my website. Awesome. Love it. Well, you shared so much great information. I appreciate you for being on and hopefully you're seeing some progress in your health journey. I'm sure you are. You're yes, probably yes. so much healthier now than you were before, <laughs> kind of like myself. That so. is for sure. <laughs> yes. Good. Good to know. Well, awesome, Madison. Again, thanks for being on and of sharing course. all thanks of this. For having me. Of course. Yeah. Well, take care. <laughs> you too. Hey there, thanks for listening. You can find me on Instagram at gutexpertriley, on Facebook at The Gut Pharmacist, same spelling as this podcast, 
on YouTube at The Gut Pharmacist, and my website is holisticreilly.podia.com, where you can find information on working with me, my background, and more helpful information to feel empowered in your journey. Thank you.